Sports is Powell to the people on the best talk in town. Well, I got up early this morning, turned on the radio. The weatherman gave the forecast that he really didn't know. He said we might have a little sunshine, might have a little rain. Might have partly cloudy skies and it might just snow again. Well, I found out a long time ago, there ain't that much for sure. But God's love and faithfulness will forevermore endure. No matter what comes, no matter what goes. If you're on a high, if you're in a low. If you're getting sick, if you're feeling well. If you get up, if you just fell. God's love and faithfulness will always be the same. Some things never change. Here's Larry Powell. Hey, welcome to Powell to the People, where civility is always in style, and we're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, I think a lot of people in uh, the hearing of my voice right now have a malaise, uh, kind of a hangover from the election. Uh, and This is the weekend after the election, and, and what do we have? We have just a, a fatigue that exists for everybody involved. Uh, we just spent uh, a lot of time here at KXEX 1550 AM and we've been uh, talking about the the election. We spent uh, I don't know six, seven, eight hours yesterday talking about it, and uh, people are really tired of the commercials. They're just worn out. Uh, but you know what? We have a lot of reason to celebrate. It's a time to celebrate that America and democracy won again, and how unique it is that we all got to go to the polls or send our ballot in, mail it in, whatever we decided to do, stand in line to get your I voted sticker, uh, doesn't matter what it is. But as a result, we got to vote in a free election. And I'll tell you what, that's a good thing for democracy. And how many times in a row have we been able to do that since 1776? Quite a few. So it's really a good thing. But I thought that, you know, you can always hear us on Spotify, Facebook, Instagram. we got a lot of places you can hear us, uh, and you can listen to us at your timing. So catch us on the radio on uh, Saturdays at 4, Sundays at 6, on KXEX 1550 AM. But you also can catch us on all these other streaming uh, uh, participations. So uh, we'd love to have you hit that share button on Facebook and all of those so that other people can see what's going on and, and hear what's taking place as well. But today... I'm not going to interview anybody. I'm going to give you some thoughts uh, post-election, and there's going to be a little bit of preaching today. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, joy, J-O-Y, and about enjoy. That's not I-N-joy. That's E-N-joy. We're going to enjoy, and we're going to I-N-joy. So we're going to hear some interesting uh, versions of what's going on. But I thought we needed to start after this election with just a little bit of humor. Um, it's been a tough time. Uh, we still are, are waiting for some results. And, you know, as the Georgia election for Senate is going to, to go for another month. Uh, I don't know if I was a candidate. I think I'd be going crazy right now. But they've got another month of hanging in there and trying to, to figure out how do I get my message across to everybody and what's going to happen over that. That could be the election that decides it again, just like it did a couple of years ago. Anyway, Sam Glenn is a national speaker and author who uh, talks about uh, different things in life and uh, how to be successful. And I ran across one of his really good stories that I wanted to share with you. I thought it might just pump us up. 
a little bit uh, and get a little laughter going after we've been through this tough election season, 50-50 split in America. But you know what? There's always a place for humor because humor does some really good things for people. So this is called Lighten Up and Have a Good Sense of Humor. The story goes like this, and this is his story. He says, I was flying somewhere to speak for a large group. I was coming off of a long flight. It was not a very comfortable one. I was tired and hungry and a bit ornery. And although you could not tell it, I put on a good face. And I put on a good smile for the group that was picking me up. And away we all proceeded down to the luggage carousel to retrieve my luggage. Now, if you've been on a long flight, you're tired, and you go to wait for your luggage, that's not a pleasant thing many times. I know I've, I've been on many, many flights, and uh, I've got to the point I try to uh, just take a carry-on bag and, and not worry about getting down to that carousel because it is not a pleasant place most of the time. Well, his story goes on to say this. When we got down there, we heard all these people laughing around the carousel. Now, whenever there's laughter... I have to see what it's all about. So Sam Glenn goes down and and he looks as all these people were pointing to some luggage on the carousel that did not look quite right. It was kind of an off look on the luggage. I looked and saw that some poor guy's luggage had ripped in half and the airlines taped it up with clear tape. But when they taped it up, they taped his underwear to the outside of the case. And all these people were watching this underwear go around the carousel, around and around, with the underwear taped to the outside of the suitcase. It looked so funny. As tired as I was, I began laughing as everybody was laughing. As I was laughing and tears began streaming down my face from the laughter, the funny luggage with the undies on the outside got closer And it began to look more and more familiar. As it passed me, shock and reality set in. Guess what? I responded to my host, that's mine. That's my luggage. He said, no way. Are you kidding? Are you going to get it? I said, no way. Not with all these people watching and laughing. I'm not going to touch it. To say the least, I was confused and in shock. My luggage passed me by six more times. I couldn't believe it. Nobody was leaving the area. They all wanted to see who owned this luggage and if they would claim it and actually pick it up. The funny luggage with the underwear packed and taped to the outside of the suitcase. I was now faced with a choice, as we all are in life situations like this. I could scream, complain, and tell people, shut up. I could have done that. It was a choice I had. But I saw the joy my situation was creating, so with a smile, I reached down and grabbed the luggage. The crowd began to point, clap, and cheer. It put a huge smile on my face and also changed my attitude. I wasn't as grumpy. It didn't feel as bad. In fact, I felt pretty good. That's the power of humor. I love to laugh. I've never felt as good as I do when I'm laughing and having a good sense of humor about something. A good sense of humor makes me feel good, 
look good and releases endorphins into the body, which are natural painkillers and give us a natural high. In the workplace, in home, in life, having the joy of humor is a must. Without a sense of humor, it's like driving a car on a bumpy road with no shocks. Some people just choose to look constipated all the time. That's no fun. Humor is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more it develops and the easier it is to laugh. Start by learning to laugh at yourself in a healthy way. In fact, the best humor will be the things you do and say. You have to practice flexing that humor muscle. Learn to laugh at the pure and positive things, not the sick and tasteless. Never laugh at the expense of others. That's negative and wrong. Laugh at the good stuff around you. Fake it at first if you have to, but soon enough, it will transform into real laughter. I once wrote a very professional letter that went to all the important people, and I meant to say the words, Our company has matured over time. What I accidentally wrote and sent out in the letter was, Our company has manured over time. At first, I could have cried, but I began to see the humor in it, and I began to think of what all those people must have thought in reading that. It makes me laugh now just having the thought about it and thinking about their facial expressions and reading that letter. Humor is really all around us if we try hard enough to find it. And how important it is for us after this election season to grasp the humor that exists because, I mean, it was amazing that so many of the elections were within a point or a point and a half, two points of each other, could have flipped one way or the other, and it looks like the Republicans are actually going to take control of the House. We'll find that out probably here shortly. We may already have found out, but it's interesting. We still won't know about the Senate for a bit of time, but you know, we've got to learn to laugh at ourselves and with ourselves a little bit more and get out of this malaise that often exists if things don't go the way we want them to. Because let me tell you, in life, things don't go the way you want them to all the time. But that should not determine whether we are in joy, I-N-J-O-Y, or enjoy, E-N-J-O-Y. And I'm going to talk about that today in our uh, second, third, and fourth segments today. I'm going to be a little preachy and share with you uh, a little bit out of the Bible, but some things that we can talk about how joy and happiness are kind of related, but not necessarily completely, and how you can have joy no matter what's going on around you. And I think that you will enjoy what you're about to hear, and you will get joy out of it. So I want to encourage you, hit that share button and make sure that other people get a chance to hear this as well. And we're going to be right back. You're listening to KXEX 1550 AM, Powell to the People, where civility is always in style. You're listening to Powell to the People. Write it down. This 
This is Powell to the People on the Best Talk in Town. Hey, welcome back to Powell to the People, where civility is always in style. Well, today we're doing something a little different than what I typically do on my show. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of maybe a Paul Harvey style for you for the entire show. I want to share some good news, not just in a vignette, but in a little longer period of time. But I want to talk about I enjoy, enjoy, and en joy. And I would rather be I in enjoy than E N J O Y. Because I'll tell you what, I get to choose whether I'm in joy or not, and not just whether I enjoy doing something. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And actually, we're going to try to turn things around so that if you're feeling a little bit of the malaise that comes from losing an election or not getting it to go exactly the way you want it to, or your candidate did not succeed, you know what? There's no reason for us not to cheer the fact that America had another successful election where we got to vote our conscience freely without coercion in any manner whatsoever. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, the difference between joy and joy and whether you enjoy something or not. So we're going to examine out of the book of Philippians in the Bible. Uh, it talks about joy there a lot. And we're going to see how joy can be had regardless of your circumstances and the situations that you are in and how we can have some of the most difficult challenges in life and yet have joy in our lives. I just think uh, it's so important because in my lifetime, I've been so fortunate to have had parents who gave me a sense that I controlled whether or not I was living in joy or I enjoyed something in life. And it was a choice that I had. Chuck Swindoll wrote a book entitled Laugh Again. Along with Philippians, it's one of my favorite source books for understanding joy, especially as a Christian. Uh, And I'd love to share that with you. Uh, Laugh Again, uh, Chuck Swindoll uh, just has some really great insights. I'd really encourage you to get it because if you need a laugh and you need to be encouraged, Laugh Again will do that for you. Chuck Swindoll wrote that book. It's one of my favorite source books for joy. Uh, Tell me what level your joy meter is at right now. And I'll I'll tell you, just to yourself, maybe you want to do a fist to five. If you uh, put up a fist, it means you're struggling with joy and you're trying to find what it means to have joy. And if you put up a five, so you give me a high five over the air, I'm going to give you a high five because that's my joy level right now. It means that I've got joy that's overflowing, outrageous joy, contagious joy, and unexplainable joy, even in the face of things that don't seem enjoyable. So I I just love that. And it's who I am. I don't think people have ever seen me without a smile. And I've been very fortunate because no matter what you face in life, whether it's polio, which I had in 1949, or struggles in other areas in life, I've never been without joy in my life. And it's, it's allowed me to be over the consequences. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. If we were to do an assessment of where Americans are with regard to joy, sometimes referred to as happiness, although I don't equate the two completely, We might be surprised to find that the wealthiest nation in the world is not that high on the joy meter. Now, boy, doesn't that that get you? It's not as high on the joy meter as you might think because we are a wealthy nation. Our poorest are richer than 96% of the rest of the world. That's a pretty good assessment. I might add that some Christians do not demonstrate joy 
in their lives in a manner that would make others around them want to be a Christian. They just don't show the joy that they should have and demonstrate it. I've been in church services where it just looked like there was nothing but bad news, long faces, heavy hearts everywhere. Many movies and songs and much of what is written about today promotes misery, sorrow and despair, tragedies and calamities. I don't like following newscasts anymore. So many newscasts have nothing but negative things about them. I'm looking for that good news that can can pump me up, make me feel better, give me a sense that things are positive in the world. That's why Good News with Larry Powell, Monday through Friday at 10 and at 4, is available to you to give you that little instant shot of good news when you need it the most. It's also one of the reasons that I started that radio show was to share with people that you can have good news no matter what's going on around you. And you know, it's interesting, it doesn't matter about the weather. Have you ever noticed how we proclaim weather? Tomorrow will be partly cloudy with a 20% chance of rain. How about if we flip that on its ear, mostly clear with an 80% chance of sunshine? Wouldn't that make a difference in our perspective of how we look at things? I would like for it to be pronounced in a positive way rather than a negative way. Chuck Swindoll says joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian, and it's often conspicuous by its absence. He goes on to say that's inexcusable. We should have, those of us who claim the Lord as our Savior, should have joy all the time, and we should uh, be, be obvious about it so people see in us that joy is there. Philippians 1, 3 through 11 reads like this. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. You have to remember that the Apostle Paul was writing this from prison. He was not writing this from a palace. He was writing this from prison. And it's not from a a, a simple men's retreat or someplace where he was off by himself. He was in a dire strait. You might ask, under the circumstances, how could Paul be anything but grim? But for Christians, the question is actually this. What are you doing under the circumstances? You should never be under the circumstances. We as believers are to live the Christian life above the circumstances, no matter what's coming our way. So if you didn't like the results of the election, you know what? Cheer, you got to vote and didn't have anybody with a gun at your head telling you to vote a certain way or preventing you from voting. So it's not under the circumstances. We're always on top of the circumstances. And you remember in 1949, I've mentioned that I had polio But I say it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because I don't limp in my head. I only limp in my leg. And sometimes I'll see myself um, in fashion fair. I'm walking down the mall. 
I'll see myself in one of the mirrors of the windows, and then I'll realize there is a limp there. But you know what? It's only in my head, and I don't worry about it most of the time. Uh, I just want to encourage you that uh, God has a plan that's perfectly suited for you, for each of you. Polio was the plan for me, and it's been one of the most positive things in my life and for those around me. Now, I don't run the 100-yard dash, but I can drive it, so who cares? You know, so take a look at your perspective on how you, you evaluate any things. I wanted to share with you real quickly, in 1979, I was in a car accident, and I was hit, and my buddy was driving. We were coming home from, from uh, teaching, and we got hit head-on after a big rain, just like the storm that went through here in California just recently. And there was a big rain, and the water's about four inches across the road into a ditch on the side. And a car came at us at about uh, probably 60 or 70 miles an hour, and hit us almost exactly head-on and knocked us over into the ditch. My buddy got out of the car real quick. I ended up collapsing onto the steering wheel over um, breaking ribs, uh, busting my nose, all kinds of things. And I, I was under the dashboard when it was all over and water was coming in over the floor of the car. And I was shivering because it was in January and it was cold. And I pulled myself back up onto the seat, looked into the mirror and I looked at my nose, and my nose was over on my left side. It had been moved that much when I hit the dashboard with my head. And I thought to myself, I know a friend who had just had their nose broken, and they take these two little you know, pieces of metal equipment, put it up your nose, and jerk it back into place to straighten it out. So I did it myself with my thumb and my forefingers and simply pushed it back as straight as I could. I lined it up. And got it pretty straight. It still got a little bit of a crookedness to it. But then I looked around for my buddy, Dave, and he wasn't there. And it turned out he had actually gone for help and not abandoned me. But I heard him talking at the back of the car, and he had found a highway patrolman. And I heard this conversation go like this. Are you hurt? The patrolman said to Dave. And he said, yeah, I cut my hand a little bit, bumped my head. And then he said, how's your wife? Because I had long hair in those days, my wife was my hair was just sticking up behind me, and I mean there was laughter going on outside, and here I am, busted nose, busted ribs, feeling terrible, uh, had collapsed uh, in the car, and I'm hearing this conversation. I'm being called this guy's wife. Well, as it turned out, it was a former student who hit us. We got into the ambulance. She busted her jaw. I busted my kneecap and ended up with all kinds of pains. But it was interesting because we had this conversation. And I, I said to her, are you okay, Janelle? And she threw kind of closed mouth, said, yes, she was okay. And then the attendant said, how are you? And I said, how do I look? And I pointed to my nose and all of those kinds of things. And I pointed out she was a former student of mine. I told her, if you want to change your grade, contact me by phone. Don't stop me on a highway at 60 miles an hour. Well, it got to the hospital, got all taken care of. And you know what? I got flowers the next day. And it said to my lovely wife, love dad, because Dave was bald and the attendant in the ambulance asked if Dave was my father. So I was his wife. He was my dad. So out of what could have been a really negative situation came joy because we were over the circumstances. You're listening to Powell to the people where civility is always in style. And we're going to be right back with more about joy in your life. You're listening to Powell to the People. Write it down. No 
never change. This is Powell to the People on the Best Talk in Town. Hey, welcome back for our third segment today. So glad that you've joined us. Uh, and once again, we've been talking about can you have joy, real joy, after losing an election, after having something negative happen in your life? And I'm telling you, yes, you can. And you can be over the circumstances, not under the circumstances. So I'm glad you've joined us. You can catch us also uh, on Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. We got it. There's a place for you to hear it at your time. And if you want to be encouraged, uh, check out Powell to the People, where civility is always in style. And we just uh, finished in our last segment talking about um, a car accident I was in in 1979. And you know what? That car accident has brought more laughter to a lot of people over the course of the last uh, 43 years uh, than you could possibly imagine on what could have been an under-the-circumstances situation, but it turned into being over the circumstances and me being I-N in joy and not having to necessarily enjoy what I went through, but being in joy anyway. I wanted to share with you and continuing this topic about, you know, how do you have joy uh, when you have difficult circumstances and times, Swindoll uh, goes on to Chuck Swindoll goes on to say this: People who live above their circumstances usually possess a well-developed sense of humor. Uh, you know, that's like a, ever since I've been to Arizona, I've had a sense of humor. Okay, I know that's a little crazy, but you know what? He tells of a thirty-something. A year-old unmarried lady who had a great sense of humor and trusted the Lord that he would provide a husband for her when the time was right. This is a great story from Chuck Swindoll. She wrote a poem that became her prayer. It went like this, Father in heaven, hear my prayer, and grant it if you can. I've hung a pair of trousers here. Please fill it with a man. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's that's pretty funny, but he shares this story. Swindoll, Swindoll goes on with this story and shared and said to his congregation one Sunday and shared it that, needless to say, they enjoyed it, the E-N-J-O-Y, they enjoyed it. He did note that one father and his son reacted differently to the story. The dad laughed, but the son seemed to be pretty preoccupied. A couple of weeks later, Swindoll received a note from the mother who had not heard the story of the trousers because she wasn't at church that day, and she wrote to Chuck and said this, Dear Chuck, I'm wondering if I should be worried about something. It has to do with our son. For the last two weeks, I've noticed that before our son turns out the light and goes to sleep, he hangs a woman's bikini over the foot of the bed. Should I be concerned about that? Well, Swindoll reassured the mother and he reported that the young man ended up happily married later, but wanted that bikini filled in a certain way. So he got the message of the story. Uh, you got to laugh at, at the things that happen around us and, and the joy that you can have in crazy circumstances. Well, we as believers must realize that our circumstances are, in fact, what God uses to teach us the lessons that he wants us to learn in order to be the powerful people that he wants in his kingdom. Paul says this in verses 12, 13, and 14. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, let me remind you, Paul is in prison, in a Roman prison, and that is not a good thing. That's a tough place. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, 
Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Many of us find ourselves in the if-only group. You know what I'm talking about, the if-only group? I would have more joy if only I had more money, if only I had more talent, if only I were more handsome or beautiful, if only I could find a fulfilling job. More money never made anyone more generous. More talent never made anyone more grateful. And more of anything never made anyone more joyful. All you have to do is read the biographies of the most most of the lottery winners or the bios of many famous and talented superstars, and few are happy, and very, very few seem joyful, even though they may appear to be so. Joyful people do not depend on excitement and fun that comes from outside sources. They thrive on the very simple things in life. Joyful people savor the moment with the wonderful understanding that they are completely in God's hands, and He is directing their lives. Let me say that again. Joyful people savor the moment with the wonderful understanding they are completely in God's hands, and He is directing their lives. People who consistently laugh and exhibit joy do so in spite of, rather than because of, anything. Their focus is consistently upward in faith, forward in hope, and outward in charity. Boy, that's so critical. I want you to hear that clearly. They focus on upward in faith, forward in hope, and outward in charity. It's not about them. And people who are happy and and experience joy, real joy, it's never about you. And it's not about outside sources making you happy. Paul had every reason to be without joy. The Apostle Paul, no reason at all to have joy. In 2 Corinthians 11, we find this. He says, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in more danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concerns for all of the churches to which I've ministered. You talk about hardships. And it got worse. He was arrested and placed under the constant guard of Roman soldiers to whom he was chained for two years. Yet not once did we read of Paul losing his patience or his joy. On the contrary, Paul saw his circumstances as an opportunity to make Christ known as he made the best of his situation. In other words, we never hear of Paul as anything but above the circumstances and over the circumstances. It's against this backdrop that Paul writes this letter filled with references of joy, resounding joy, to the church at Philippi. 
he urges the people of Philippi to be people of joy. When Paul prayed for the Philippians, he smiled. Back to verses 3 and 4. I thank my God in my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for all of you. When Paul compared staying on earth to leaving and going to be with Jesus, he was joyful. In verse 21 through 25, it says this, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor, labor for me, and I, will, I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ for that is very much the better, yet to remain on in the flesh, which is more necessary for your sake. And convinced of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. When Paul encouraged them to work together in harmony, his own joy intensified as he envisioned that happening. Boy, just think about the situation Paul was in, in prison, uh, chained to Roman guards, no reason to be happy whatsoever, uh, dire, dire circumstances. And you got to remember, prisons in Rome were not uh, hotels, motels. They were uh, hard bedrock places. Uh, you had to provide your own food in many cases. People had to bring it to you. It was a very, very tough circumstance. So um, Paul's a great example of someone who's going through difficult times and stands up to the difficulty in a champion way and says, I'm choosing joy rather than being under any circumstances. So let's reflect for a second here. Uh, Think back. We, We just had an election. It may or may not have gone the way you wanted. If it didn't go the way you wanted, you know what? Not a lot has changed. You still have to get up every morning. You still have family to love. You still have places to go. You still have a chance to go to the store and buy food. Uh, You still have opportunities to be successful. And if you choose to be successful and over the circumstances, you can choose to be in, I-N, joy. And you can E-N, joy, the things that have happened to you because you get to live right here in America. It's a great place to be. Uh, This is uh, Powell to the People, where civility is always in style, and we're going to be right back in just about a minute. Stay with us. You're listening to Powell to the People. Write it down. This is Powell to the people on the best talk in town. Hey, welcome back to our last segment today. I, I can't believe how fast these segments go, and all of a sudden we're done. We're down to our fourth one in this hour, but I'm so glad that you've joined us. We've been talking about the election returns, uh, whether or not you can have joy when things don't go your way, and the difference between being I in, in joy, and the and being E-N, enjoying something. Uh, I would much rather be on the I-N, enjoy segment, than on the E-N, because E-N is temporal. Uh, When you just enjoy being with someone, let me tell you what, I like that internal enjoy kind of feeling 
where I'm always over the circumstances no matter what's going on in my life. That's why one of my favorite people of all time is Coach John Wooden from UCLA. Coach John Wooden won more championships in a short period of time for UCLA basketball, and it was absolutely phenomenal to see his success, but then to hear him talk and speak on his being joyful in all circumstances. Now, I remember one thing he talked about was kind of interesting. You know what his first lesson in basketball was to college players who were very accomplished was learning how to put on their socks and putting them on properly so they would have feet that did not get blisters. Boy, you start about, you uh, you state talking about the the obvious, and yet you have to begin with the basics and understand how to be a good, prepared basketball player to be a great basketball player in reality. So learning to put your socks on was the key to being able to stand up to all that running. And so he started with, let's put our socks on, guys, and he showed them how to do it so that you did not get blisters. But one of my favorite things is a poem that he didn't write, but he said, I don't know who wrote it, the author is unknown, but it's called God's Hall of Fame. Now, here's a guy, John Wooden, who has been, it was in the Basketball Hall of Fame, he's in every Hall of Fame he could possibly get in, he is recognized as one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, a remarkable speaker. I heard him uh, one time at Fresno Pacific University when he came to speak. He spoke for an hour, did not have one note in front of him. He was in his 90s at the time, sitting on a chair on the platform, and I was spellbound just listening to him because he had so many great quotes and things that he had to say. But one of the things that he did was quote this God's Hall of Fame poem, and I want to give it to you today. Uh, Once again, unknown author, but often quoted by UCLA coach John Wooden, God's Hall of Fame. This crowd on earth, they soon forget the heroes of the past. They cheer like mad until you fall, and that's how long you last. But God does not forget, and in his hall of fame, by just believing in his son inscribed, you'll find your name. I tell you, friends, I would not trade my name, however small, inscribed up there beyond the stars in that celestial hall. For any famous name on earth or glory that they share, I'd rather be an unknown here and have my name up there. Boy, is that a powerful poem that uh, really gives us pause to say, what are we striving for? Where are we trying to uh, put our chips in life? Are we trying to be the most famous person that we can be down here? Or are we trying to live a life filled with joy and not dependent on what happens around us or to us or other things. And I always go back to this because my mom and dad taught me so many great lessons that polio, when I was 15 months old, did not determine or limit who I could become. Uh, And I wear what's called a CAFO, a knee, ankle, foot orthotic. It's a brace that goes all the way from my hip down through my shoe, and I've got a stirrup that goes and ties into the shoe so that I can wear different pairs of shoes Uh, which I was not able to do when I was a youngster. I had one pair of shoes and had to take care of them for everything I did, whether it was playing sports or walking to church or whatever I was doing. I had one pair of shoes 
Now I'm blessed because they've come up with a way to attach several shoes on a different set of stirrups, and I'm able to do that. So I am in joy over my shoes because I have more than one pair. But uh, I want to share with you and continue to share with you a little bit about Paul and what he has to say to the Philippians uh, at Philippi and how joy is such a central part no matter what we go through. But as a nation, we're so blessed because we just went through a free election. Let me read a little more to you out of Philippians 2, 1 and 2. It says this, If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if Americans could get together on one mind, one purpose, and realize that we're doing everything we can to help each other be the very best we could possibly be. When Paul mentioned sending a friend to them, he urged them to receive the man joyfully. <laughs> Read Philippians. you got to go to Philippians in the New Testament because in Philippians, Paul talks about joy all the time, and it's so counterintuitive because he was not in a position to think we, we would think is a joyful position. I mean, the guy's in prison. He's going through tough times, but he's still talking about joy. In Philippians 2, 25 through 29, Paul sends Epaphroditus, his brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, to Philippi. Therefore I have sent him the more eagerly in order that when you see him again, you may rejoice, <laughs> rejoice, once again rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Therefore receive him in the Lord with all joy. He was full of joy, and men like him hold him in high regard. Paul communicated the core of what he wanted them to hear from him. He was full of joy. Philippians 3.1 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard to you. When Paul was drawing his letter to a close, he returned to the same message of joy. Philippians 4.4 4 says this, Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Finally, when Paul called to mind their concern for his own welfare, the joy about which he writes is truly one of the most upbeat passages in all of the Bible. Philippians 4.10-19 through 19 reads like this, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever my circumstances I find myself. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a great fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all my needs and all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Wow, what an amazing passage in Scripture. 
What can we learn from the letter to the Philippians, and what can we learn about our own circumstances? When God's grace is at work in anyone, it is easy to identify with them and with their work in the kingdom of God. It also develops in each one of us a camaraderie and love that can only come from God, who creates those feelings in us as he did in Paul and with the Philippians. When that happens, we can smile with each other in real joy as we celebrate what God is doing and what he is going to do. This amazing letter to the Philippians from Paul encouraged them, and their joy, we're told, increased, I suspect, to an all-time high. If Paul, in that irritating, confining situation, could be so positive, so full of encouragement, so affirming, certainly those living in freedom like we have here in America can be joyful even if an election does not go the way we hoped. In order to block joy stealers, we must avoid that sneaky thief that comes to our minds and reminds us of something in our past that demoralizes us, even though it's over and done with and fully forgiven, or that thief that conjures up fears regarding something that might happen in the future, even though that frightening something may never happen. Swindoll says that joyful people stay riveted to the present, the here and now, not the then and the never. The big message here is that nothing ever catches God by surprise, and we need to center our joy in this reality. God is in control, and if we believe that, we are joyful and above our circumstances, no matter what comes our way. One ship sails east, one ship sails west, regardless of how the winds blow, it's the set of the sail and not the gale that determines the way we go. God bless each and every one of you. And remember, you can choose to be in, I in, joy. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next week. This is Powell to the People, where civility is always in style.